0: It's time to explore the latest developments in science and technology with Wiradjuri Woman and science and technology editor Ray Johnston. Welcome to Night TV Radio, Ray.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, our first story of the week Aussies are clueless about their country's most endangered species.
1: Yeah, Australia is the fourth worst country in the world for species extinctions. And it's in the top three for critically endangered animals. And we saw this week's federal budget. It included a $244 million allocation to help save threatened species. And this was news that coincided with some really concerning findings of a new paper that was authored by University of South Australia researchers. And it has revealed overwhelming public ignorance of our most threatened species and this is a factor that is contributing to the country's extinction crisis. But to get these numbers, they researchers, they polled more than 300 zoo visitors and community members as well. They tested their awareness of seven endangered species that are at risk of extinction within the next decade and more than 90% of those that were surveyed didn't recognise six of the seven species, with the exception being the Tasmanian devil. Everyone knows what the Tasmanian devil looks like, but the other species were the Leadbeater's possum, the Eastern Barred Bandicoot, the Helmeted Honey Eater, the Southern Corroboree Frog, the Lord Howe Island Stick Insect, and the Orange Bellied Parrot. And the researchers are saying that this shows a clear link between species recognition, likability, and conservation support. It shows that people are far more inclined to donate towards conserving, you know, for example, our iconic koala or kangaroo and wombat populations, despite those not actually being classified as endangered. There are huge gaps in community knowledge regarding native wildlife there's less than 8% of people able to correctly name six of seven endangered species when shown photographs as well. So apart from the Tasmanian devil, which 86% of people did recognise in this study, the level of knowledge of our most vulnerable species is really limited and misidentification is also common, particularly with the eastern barred bandicoot. It's often mistaken for a bilby. And the most likable Australian animals, you know, the koala and the kangaroo, they also reflect what is known as the similarity principle. And this suggests that people tend to prefer animals most like humans, and that when only a limited number of species can be conserved, it's mammals that are favoured over other species, regardless of their endangered status. So, you've got the helmeted honey eater and the southern corroboree frog and the Lord Howe Island stick insect being consistently the least liked species. Now, apart from the likability factor, this study also showed that being able to recognise species increased people's willingness to support their conservation. So, that's a starting point that we can start to address And, you know, when you look at things like endangered insects already fighting an uphill battle for support, you've got 85% of people actively disliking insects. It puts their survival at most risk. But this is a perception that could be changed with, you know, some clever marketing initiatives. This is something that the researchers are saying. Yeah, you know, the Lord Howe Island stick insect, for example, has some really interesting things about it. You know, it's very resilient; it survives against all odds. You know, they reproduce without males. They have a tendency to form large social groups during the day. They hang out and socialise together, or even, you know, the fact that their foot pads are heart shaped, which is really cute. So, you know, if people knew more facts like this about these animals, the likability factor would likely shoot up and so would our want to conserve these animals.
0: And uh, a new online tool is now available to support expectant parents with their prenatal testing decisions.
1: Absolutely. So this is a new online tool. It's been launched to support expectant parents' in their choices around prenatal testing for chromosome conditions in their unborn baby. And it's called Your Choice. It's been created by the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and also James Cook University. And the aim is for it to guide pregnant people through the prenatal testing options and which tests may be best suited for them. Now, screening and diagnostic tests are available to all pregnant people to test for chromosome conditions, which are very common and they're caused by changes to the number or the structure of chromosomes, which are the the little packages of DNA in our cells. Now, it's an interactive website. It's got this 15-minute decision-making tool that guides you through a series of questions and then suggests a preferred testing pathway based on your answers. And those results can also be saved to later discuss those with a health professional. Now, there's lots of different prenatal tests available now. That does make it hard for people to navigate the system. And this decision aid, it's not Designed to be a standalone tool. It does work alongside clinical support. It's not meant to take the place of a doctor or a midwife. But for anyone who's ever had them, you know, pregnancy visits can be really quick. And you can't always have in-depth discussions around the different options available to you, which can be quite complex to understand. So this website gives you a summary as well as some extra information and some resources. So you can find what you are looking for at your fingertips. And if anyone is interested in checking it out, you can find it at yourchoice.mcri.edu.au.
0: And one that's uh, a bit concerning now, it's... uh... This story that uh, really there's bad news for the climate because three big greenhouse gases have actually hit record highs despite all the actions and uh, everything that's being done to mitigate climate change. Uh, atmospheric
1: levels of the three main greenhouse gases, so we're talking carbon dioxide, methane and nitrous oxide, they've all reached new record highs in 2021. These are the most recent figures we have. And this is according to a new report from the World Meteorological Organization, or the WMO. Now, their greenhouse gas bulletin, it has reported the biggest year-on-year jump in methane concentrations in 2021. This is since measurements began nearly 40 years ago. And the reason for this exceptional increase, we just don't know. It's not really clear but it does seem to be a result of both biological and human induced processes as well. Now the increase in carbon dioxide levels from 2020 to 2021, that was larger than the average annual growth rate over the last decade. And measurements from the WMO's global atmosphere watch network stations, they show that these levels are continuing to rise in 2022 over the whole globe. Now, Between 1990 and 2021, the warming effect on our climate, which is known as radiative forcing by long-lived greenhouse gases, that rose by nearly 50% with carbon dioxide. That accounts for about 80% of this increase. Now, carbon dioxide concentrations in 2021, they were 149%, methane 262%, And nitrous oxide, 124% of pre-industrial levels. So that's before human activities started disrupting the natural balance of these gases in the atmosphere. So, yes, we are doing a fair bit at the moment, but there's still a long way to go. And a lot of the responsibility for this falls on corporations, manufacturing, and industry rather than the individual levels. So that's where we need to really be applying a lot of pressure.
0: And finally, it appears that the fossil fuel industry is using sport, out of all things, to greenwash their public image.
1: Absolutely. It's been happening for a long time as well. You've got coal, gas and oil companies, they spend around 14 to 18 million dollars a year greenwashing their public image by sponsoring sport in Australia. Now, this is according to a new report from Swinburne University of Technology's Sport Innovation Research Group for the Australian Conservation Foundation. And this is the first research to actually look at the number and the value of fossil fuel sponsorships in sport in Australia. And the research has identified 51 partnerships between sports and coal, gas, and oil brands. And many of these fossil fuel sponsorship deals, they include high-value naming rights agreements, meaning the sponsor's name is often displayed on team uniforms or stadiums. So you've got oil and gas mining companies like Woodside and Santos you know, tending to sponsor AFL, rugby union, rugby league, and you have more fossil fuel retailers like Alinta and Origin favouring partnerships with cricket and soccer and netball. And the researchers say that the heavily polluting fossil fuel industry is greenwashing its public image by exploiting people's love of sport. You know, and as you know, you know, sport is great for our health. Fossil fuels are absolutely not. But when we see the Santos Wallabies or the Woodside Fremantle Dockers on TV, it has the effect of sanitising their role and their image as big climate polluters. And sport should use its power to help solve the climate crisis, not accept money from big climate polluting corporations. Because no matter where the coal and gas is burnt, It is damaging our country and our amazing natural places like the Great Barrier Reef. And climate change is also affecting the sports that we love, especially at a grassroots level. We can't play sport when the grounds go underwater during flooding or when the air is filled with bushfire smoke. Now, in our lifetimes, I think it's really important to remember that we have witnessed the tobacco industry shunned from sports sponsorship because of the harm that it does to people's health. So sports already say no to tobacco sponsorship. They should also say no to the money on offer from the coal and the oil and the gas corporations. And the researchers of this study, they point out that we all have a lot to lose from climate change. You know, By 2040, heatwaves in Sydney and Melbourne could reach highs of 50 degrees Celsius. And that threatens the viability of those iconic sporting events like the MCG Boxing Day test, the Australian Open. They just won't be able to happen. You know, while we've seen some of the sport teams move away from coal and oil and gas sponsorship, most of them have just ended up focusing on climate campaigns and environmental sustainability initiatives rather than more direct actions. So I think we need to see some courage from our sporting organisations, and we need to see some other industries step up and take the place of these polluting corporations sponsoring the sports that we love.
0: Ray Johnston, thank you very much for bringing to us exciting development in science and technology once again.
1: Thank you so much. It's been great to be here.